make disciples. My goal for the next two months is to train you in the most easy, enjoyable, and effective way to hear Jesus look at you in heaven and say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. One of the main things we can do to have eternal rewards in heaven is to make disciples. It's called the Great Commission. Everybody say Great Commission. It's not the Good Commission. It's the... Okay, good job. It comes from Matthew 28, 19, and we're going to read it good and strong, and then we're going to get into today's subject. Ready? Go. Therefore, go and make disciples of all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey what I have commanded you. Okay, make disciples of the series, and step number one for your notes. Today's sermon, step number one is this. Be a light. Be a light. Step number one is not preaching to people. Step number one is not quoting scripture. Step number one is not walking up to somebody and asking if you can pray for them. Step number one is not telling them they're going to hell. Step number one is not trying to prove that what you believe is right and truth. Step number one is simply be a light. The very first thing that the Holy Spirit empowered us to do in the Bible, it says that he empowered. Everybody say empowered. He empowered us to be a witness To be able to witness with our life. The way we shine our light is to live a life that is pleasing to Jesus. I'm not telling you that you can't sin. I'm not saying you're a bad person if you make mistakes at all. I'm not saying that at all, at all, at all, at all. I'm saying just to live a life that pleases God. And let me tell you three points, and it's not up there, so if you're taking notes, you want to write this down. There's three easy ways to be a light. Three easy ways to live a life that pleases God. Number one is this. Be good to people. Just be nice to them. Just be kind. Don't be judgmental. Don't be critical. Don't be holier than thou. Just be good to people. Part of point number one is don't be a weirdo. Okay, don't be a weirdo Christian. There's so many weirdo Christians out there. They make us look bad because they're weird. They're just weird. If you don't know if you're weird or not, here's a good way to find out. Is um, <laughs> Y'all already started laughing. I'm being serious, but anyway, whatever. Is um, If children or young people like you or not. I find that children, they, it seems like they just they, they can sense adults better than we can. And if children run from you and don't like you, you might be a little bit weird. You need to check yourself. See what it is that you're doing that's weird. Is it the way you communicate? Is it the way you handle um, you know, conversations with people? Is it? I mean, just find out if you're weirder. And don't be a weirdo. Be a normal, good Christian because no one wants to follow or be made a disciple out of a weirdo. Second thing is this. Be excellent in your church service. In the service that you do, that you provide, you're serving at church. Be excellent. If you say you're going to be here to do something, don't make us call you five times to say, hey, you told us you'd do this and we got to find somebody to come. If you miss, that's okay. Just let us know. Send a text. Send a phone call. If your job is to clean the bathrooms, clean it as if Jesus Christ himself is going to be sitting on that throne. Do whatever it takes to be excellent in your service. It's just a one-hour time of serving God. If you, if you tell somebody you're going to bring water, bring water. If you can't do it, let them know. But be excellent in your service. Uh, don't be a wanderer or a vagabond. A Christian, a spiritual vagabond is somebody that goes from one church to the next church to the next church. They don't like this. They may show up this Sunday if they feel like it. If not, they want to sleep in. They had a long night. They're a little bit, you know, drunk from the night before. Whatever. Be excellent and faithful in your service. Here's the third one. Have integrity at the workplace. Where you work, have integrity. If your boss says to be at your desk at 9 o'clock, be there at 8.55. If you get a one-hour lunch break, take a 55-minute lunch break. If your job is to answer the phones, answer the phones as if it is your name 
on the CEO desk or on the marquee or on the billboard or on the, on, the, on the building, whatever it is, but have integrity at the workplace. These are ways that we shine our light. What I'm saying is, is that people that are in the dark should see there's something different about us. Something, And I don't mean different in a weird way. I mean different in a good way. They should see that we have light. It says in Matthew 5.14, Jesus said that you are the light of the world. Whenever you leave church today and you go out to eat somewhere, leave a 20% tip because that's what a light would do. I had a friend that um, waited tables and he said on Sundays everybody wants to get off work. And I said, why? He said, well, Christians, they don't give good tips, you know, at the restaurant. I said, they don't give good tips at church either. But anyway, and so, um, so when you go out to eat, listen, every time you leave a 20% tip, you're shining your light. You're turning on your light. Every time you do it, whenever you have a good attitude, when things aren't going your way, you're shining your light. Uh, whenever you show up for work on time, whenever you answer the phone as if you own the place, you're shining your light. I've had so many people say to me, they say, John Paul, I hate my job. I despise it. The people around me are so evil. They're so crude. They're not Christians. They don't serve God. They, they say offensive things. They tell dirty jokes. They cuss. They're mean. Okay, here's what you're telling me. You're telling me that our God, in his strategic nature, he intentionally placed you a believer in the middle of a bunch of darkness and people surrounded by the dark and you're going to complain about that? That's your ministry. God cares more about you shining your light in that area than he does if you feel good or you're getting your way or you're getting paid what you think you should be getting paid. You're in the middle of darkness. Here's what you got to do. Don't complain about the boss. Don't gossip about people that they're gossiping about. You just turn on your light. That's all you do, just turn on your light. You don't got to preach to them and tell them they're wrong. You don't got to quote scripture and lay hands on them. You just shine your light. The minute you gave your life to Jesus, he put a supernatural light on the inside of your heart. How bright you shine this light is up to you. When you shine this light is up to you. Where you shine this light is up to you. But you each have a ministry, a personal, individual ministry. And your eternal rewards are based on how much you shine this light. I don't care if your husband or wife shines their light, you shine your light. I don't care if your parents are shining their light, you shine your light. Everywhere you go, you're preaching a sermon. Your pulpit is your life. It is your very, your pulpit isn't necessarily, you know how, it's, listen, it's easy to shine your light around a bunch of other lights. When we're here at church, it's easy to worship, it's easy to do things for God and to pray. It's out there in the darkness where the light really, really matters. Um, Matthew 5, 15 says, no one lights a lamp and hides it. Instead, it's put on a stand and gives light for everyone to see. When you go to the grocery store, you can shine your light. You're preaching a sermon. When you go to the bank, the mall, you're preaching a sermon. When you go to Krispy Kreme the third time this today, you're preaching a sermon. You're preaching a sermon. Um, we have people here in our congregation. At the second service, a friend of mine named Jason, he's into real estate, and he sells million-dollar properties, and he sells $10,000 properties. And in fact, he got asked to be on HGTV here at the beach. They did a whole episode around him that's going to be airing soon. And uh, the, the great thing about Jason is he treats the people who are buying the $10 million properties the exact same as he does the people that are buying the $10,000 properties. He treats them all like they are the greatest people in the universe. What's that doing? That's shining a light. He doesn't have to wear a shirt that says, I'm a Christian, see me. He's just a light everywhere he goes. 
Brian Clark that does our landscaping, they're out of town today, but Brian, when he bids a job, if it's going to be a $500 job, he bids it $500, but he makes sure and he does $550 worth of work. That's shining your light. Everywhere we go, we're preaching a sermon. Um, there was a guy years ago who came to church here, and uh, one day I was going to a bank, and um, as I pulled into the bank, I saw him walking into the bank. He had already parked his car, and so I thought, okay, I'll, I'll say, he even had on a Solid Rock t-shirt. So I thought I'll say hey to him when I get in the bank. So I parked my car, and as soon as I opened up the bank doors, I could hear him yelling at the teller behind the counter. He said, I can't believe you can't cash this check. I need this money. What's wrong with you? And he even used profanity. You blankety blank. And the bank managers were having to come out the office. And as I stood there in that doorway, I thought, I would love, you know how Flash, the, the superheroes, like so quick, I'd love to like run up there and rip the shirt off of his back and then run out the store and nobody see I actually turned around and walked out the bank because I didn't want to say hey to him. I didn't want people to say, oh, this is my pastor, da-da-da. I was like, dude, you're representing all these people that are part of your church family. When you're out there in public, you're representing all of us. You're representing me. You're representing God. You can't do stuff like that. He was preaching a very loud sermon. It was just a horrible, horrible sermon. Horrible. Everywhere we go, we're either shining a light or we're completely hiding it. According to this scripture, it's not very intelligent for us as believers to hide our light. Let me give you a way, you're probably not going to like me after this, but let me give you a way where we can either shine a huge spotlight on Jesus or we can completely cover it up. It's for, for some reason, it's very interesting to me, but here in Myrtle Beach, I've never understood this. We live in a very um, touristy place, you know, and so all of you and us, we have friends and family that come into town to visit us, right? For some reason, I cannot understand. I've tried, and I, I love, the reason I, I believe I enjoy communicating God's words is because I love to try to understand people, you know, because we all have these idiosyncrasies and we want to be able to relate to God's word. And I just, this is one thing I can't understand. Y'all got to explain this to me. I don't understand why, as Christians who serve Jesus, when a family member or a friend comes into town to visit us, we let that human being cause us to miss church and not worship God who gave his son and died on the cross for us, who did everything he could so we could live with him for all of eternity, who gives us life, oxygen, breath, finances, uh, friends, family. We leave serving God because a human being has come to visit us. I can't understand that. I can't even fathom that. When you allow a person to stop you from coming to church and serving God, you've guaranteed that person will probably not serve God. And here's why. Why would they serve a God who they are more powerful than in your life? If that person has more influence over you than this wonderful God you serve, why would they ever bow their knee to worship that God? They have become the God in your life. I can't even fathom this. Now, when you do the opposite, when you say, listen, I know you're coming to visit me in Myrtle Beach, da, 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 it's just a one-hour service. Listen, it's just one hour, okay? You can stay home. You can go to the Waffle House. You can come to church, whatever you want to, but nothing. And nobody, my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister, my children, my best friend from high school, no matter who comes to visit me, I don't care if we got tickets to the see whatever we want, no one of you are going to stop me 
from going to my spiritual family and serving these people. These people pray with me. These people cry with me. These people do Bible studies with me. They hold my hand when I'm sick. These people visit me in the hospital. They bring me food. These people celebrate my children. They celebrate my anniversaries, my birthdays. This is my spiritual family, and you cannot stop me from serving God and serving them. Now, when you do that, sooner or later, it might not be the first time or the second time, but sooner or later, that person will have this mentality. Wow, they must love this God they serve so much that they're willing to leave me here at this house to go do that. i got to find out what that's all about. And when I talk to people about this, I've had some people say, well, John Paul, they're already Christians. All the more reason for you to go to church on Sunday to show them. <laughs> I talked to somebody like this. Listen, this is a witness. This is your way to show them how much Jesus is powerful in your life or show them that Jesus means nothing to you, but this is your chance. And the person said to me, well, they're already a Christian. I said, well, then tell them to come to church with you. Show them how powerful they are. That's how you can either hide a light or shine a light incredibly bright. But I, 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 still, I don't understand how we can allow a person to stop us. And listen, if you're living with somebody or you're married to somebody that doesn't serve God, the Bible even talks about, the scripture's not up there, but it talks about a woman that's married to a man that doesn't serve God, and it says, don't preach to him. It says, your life, the way you live, can actually be what turns him to Christ. When you tell that old goat or whoever you live with, when you say, listen, I love you, but on Sunday mornings, I'm going to serve God. When you don't let anything stop you from coming to this place on Sunday morning, that's a light. You're shining that light right in that guy's goat's whatever. You're shining it right in his face. He just can't get it out of his face. Matthew 5, 16, the next scripture, it says, um, make your light shine so that others will see your moral excellence. Everybody say moral excellence. Praise your Father in heaven. Here's what this is saying. It's saying that our actions speak louder than our words. That's what it's saying. Um, years ago, we owned a two-acre piece of property that was completely, totally wooded. I mean, it was just, it was thick wooded area. And I was going out there to take a look at it one night, just kind of pray over it and walk around and have my jeans on. I'm walking through. And it was wintertime, and I didn't realize how quick it was getting dark. And if you don't know how big two acres is, two acres is the size of this property and the field behind it, or this property in the parking lot. Whichever way you go, that's, that's two acres. And so I was in the middle of these two acres, and it got dark just like that. And all of a sudden, I realized I don't know how to get out of this place, because I mean, everything's wooded around me. And I started freaking out. I mean, I was sweating. I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? This is before cell phones had flashlights on them, okay? So I called somebody. I said, I'm lost. I'm lost. Like, I need help. I'm scared. I, I think there's snakes around here. I don't know what to do. You know, I keep hearing stuff. And, um, and they said, here's what they said to me. They said, jump on. Just walk north. Just walk north. The, the closest road to where is north. I said, north? Oh, look, I'm Indiana Jones. I don't know which way north is. You tell me north, I'm going to go up. I'm going to try to climb a tree. I don't know what north is idiot. Here's what I needed. I didn't need somebody to be telling me what to do. I needed somebody to come out there where I was at in the middle of that dark place with a flashlight and say, listen, take my hand and I'm going to lead you out of this dark place. That's what people are looking for. There's a phrase that I love and it says, preach at all times, use words only if necessary. Let me ask you, can the people that God Almighty has intentionally Put in your life that you work with, that you're related to, your friend. Has the people that God has intentionally put in your life that are surrounded by darkness, can they see that you are carrying a light with you 
everywhere you go. Can they see your light? People are watching us. They're watching us. They're watching how we live. They're watching how we respond to adversity. And I'm not telling you to be this Mother Teresa that walks around and never does anything wrong. I'm just saying to be a proper witness. They're seeing what you put on Facebook, what you put on Instagram or social media. Your social media should look different than those people that are still in the dark. There should be something different about it. When you're complaining about your ex-boyfriend or girlfriend and you can't stand the president and you're putting all these funny things about drugs or whatever you're doing, man, that is, that is, that is throwing the batteries out of your flashlight. There should be something different about our social media than everybody else. Not, not, and I'm not saying to put a scripture up every day and you know put a picture of you with a halo on top of your head or anything like that. I'm just saying, realize you're representing God Almighty. You're representing God. Um, I was um, the other day. You know, I, I take college classes over at HGTC um, and um, Orchard. Yeah, HGTC and. Um, and there's a, a discussion we were having one day about things. It was a sociology class. And this one girl in class, she shared, she said, um, I can't put anything on Facebook or Instagram or anything that's negative, that's drug or alcohol related, that has profanity, um, any sexual innuendos. She said, she said, I can't do that. And we said, why? She said, well, I'm going to law school. And when I start to apply at these different colleges, they look at all of my past social, social history and, um, and if there's anything negative, they won't let me in. Let me tell you what she was saying in my words. Here's what she was saying. She was saying, this college has so much integrity. They want people to represent them who have equal integrity. So they will not even allow somebody who is negative. And listen, whenever, you, let's say you said a cuss word. Okay, why would you want to post that for all the world to see? That becomes who you are. That's your character. People know you by a lot of the things that you post. Why would you want to advertise a sin or something that you've done that's unbiblical? Don't advertise it. Don't a- advertise that you're saved. Advertise you need Jesus. Advertise you need the blood of the Jesus surrounding your life. Whatever, but don't advertise the sin. And this girl, she was telling me, she said, they won't let me in, so I can't do anything like that. And I thought, I wish Christians had the same amount of integrity with what they post on the social media as people that are trying to get into law school. 2 Corinthians 3.2 says your lives are a very letter or an epistle, or if you really study the language behind this scripture, it means that your lives are a book of the Bible that people are reading. In other words, um, people don't really read the Bible anymore. They're reading your life. In the 70s and 80s, you could pass out Bibles and tell them they're going to hell, and you know, there, was, there wasn't much out there for them to research they just take your word for it and they you know whatever nowadays it's not like that nowadays no one's reading their bibles that are in the dark you know what they're doing they're looking and reading your life and what you do second corinthians 5 20 says we're christ's ambassadors we are his personal representatives i'm sure y'all saw that wedding a few months ago with prince william and um catherine middleton is that how you pronounce their name okay and so it's catherine middleton right yeah okay it's not Megan and what's the what husband's name? Harry? So the other one's the other brother and uh, whatever, you know, okay. <laughs> Harry, I don't know, whatever. Anyway, so it's a, it's a big wedding is the point, okay? They're representing the royal family. When you watch those weddings, it is filled with all this majestic scenery and this beautiful music, all these things. The reason it's like that is because not only are they representing other people, the royal family, they're representing the Queen of England, they're representing their entire nation. Now picture Prince and Princess, whatever. 
Okay, picture them coming to, to, to South Carolina, okay? And you're at the mall, and you see them, and they're cussing somebody out because the person won't return something. And then you look on their social media, and they're talking about how bad their ex-girlfriend treated them and their ex-boyfriend treated them and all this kind of stuff. And then you see somebody go up to ask for an autograph, and they say, we're not talking to you. If you saw that, here's what you would think. Not only would you think bad of them, but you would think this. Man, I don't know about that royal family. There must be something weird that we don't see on TV. You know, they're, they're not representing their country very well. When you leave this place today, again, it's easy to shine your light in here. We can high-five, I love Jesus, and we can pray, and we can worship. But when you leave this place, that's your ministry. That's your ministry. And you're representing the person that's sitting right next to you right now. You're representing them. In your business, do you know that I can't, many, over the years, many people have asked me, can you tell the church about my business? And I can't do it. Because 99% of the time, the people that want to advertise their business in church and tell them, 90%, they're ripping somebody off. They'll lie for $5, and they call themselves a Christian. If you're in this room, you're representing the person sitting right next to you. Represent them well. Represent them well. Let them be proud of how you do your business. Proud of how you treat people out in public. Proud of even how you dress out there. Don't be showing things you shouldn't be showing anybody except for your spouse when you're out at Walmart 501. (laughs) You you want a ministry? Hey, you want to shine a light somewhere? You got a spotlight, like the bat signal, you know, the big old bat signal. When you go to Walmart 501, that's shining a light right there. When you wear a pair of shorts that, you know, gosh, man, some of them, they wear, I could tell it. We're not, we're not streaming. They, I'm not even going to say it. Anyway, okay. They wear, they wear stuff they shouldn't be wearing. Okay, so in the Bible, there's a young man named Daniel. Everybody say Daniel. Okay, and Daniel was in the what den? What den was he in? Lion. Okay, here's how it started. It started because the king of Babylon, which was this evil area and nation that he was near, um, the king of Babylon ordered all of his servants to go out and find the most handsome young men to serve in the king's palace. As a side note, if that were today, I believe I would have gotten a call or an email or something like that. Mark, not so much. But anyway, okay, so they said, oh, that was, that was a joke. See, y'all don't laugh at my jokes. Y'all don't laugh. I'm not telling jokes anymore. It's all y'all's fault. Okay. Okay, so here we go. Um, what are we talking about? So Daniel. So they, so they brought Daniel in, but they told him, we want you to do things that he was convicted of doing. There were certain foods and traditions and things that they tried to get Daniel to do that in his heart he just knew he wasn't supposed to be doing. It says in Daniel 6.10, when Daniel heard about the law, he returned home and prayed the same way he always did. They told Daniel, they said, listen, we need you to start praying to the king of Babylon. Daniel didn't say, I don't believe like y'all, and y'all are going to hell, and I'm better than you, and y'all just need prayer, what's wrong with you, and the Bible says this, and the Bible says that. All Daniel did was leave his light on. People all around you are trying to get you to turn off your light. Don't you allow the darkness to influence you. You should be influencing the darkness. I say it like this, don't be a thermometer, be a thermostat. A thermometer measures the room temperature, and it adjusts itself to what's going on around it. A thermostat, whatever you set a thermostat on, the whole room changes to match the thermostat. Don't be a thermometer, be a thermostat. So they threw Daniel in the lion's den, but listen, when you use a supernatural tool like the light God's given you, supernatural things will happen. Verse 22 says, God sent his angel to shut the mouth 
of the lions. It was such a big deal. Daniel got promoted. He went from being a slave to second in command of the whole country. And in verse 26, the king said, Now everybody needs to respect Daniel's God. Now here's the whole point of this, okay? The whole point of this story. Got thrown in the lion's den. They tried to change him. He refused to turn his light off. He was going to leave his light on. They did everything they could. Daniel would not turn his light off. They threw him in the lion's den. Finally, after it was all said and done, here's what I want you to see. Daniel changed an entire nation without ever preaching a single word. Not one single sermon came out of his mouth. Not one single, the Bible says this, not one single point in his finger. The whole nation changed just because he left his light on. Um, we have about... I don't know, maybe 700 to 7,000 views on our, on our Facebook page each week, people watching us. And there's always people saying nice stuff, which we really thank you for that. We'd love for you to say good things about it. But there's also people that say bad things. Now, we normally just delete the bad things. You know, don't. Sometimes I'm tempted to respond. This one lady a while back, she put this whole paragraph on there. She said, the Bible's so true and it's God's Word. And if you knew the Bible and you love Jesus like you say you do, then you would have church on Saturdays and not Sundays because in the Bible they worshiped on Saturday. Now the truth is, they, you know, we as new believers worship every day. But she was saying the Bible says you come together and worship in the ground on Saturdays, and that's the Bible. If this were Bible days, you'd be wrong and all this kind of stuff. I wanted to reply and say this. If this were Bible days, I could stone you, woman, and I'd just be another day for me, and it'd be no big deal. I'd go back and eat my dinner and everything would be fine. But I didn't say that. Here's what I thought, though. I thought, this lady knows Scripture. She probably studies her Bible. She probably listens to K-Love. She even probably has a K-Love or Jesus sticker on the back of her car. But if she doesn't communicate, I love you. I care about you. I want you to be part of my church, my life. If she doesn't communicate that, no matter how bright she thinks she's shining a light, it's totally and completely insignificant. You've got to be able to shine the right things with your light. Matthew 18, 12, there's a story where Jesus is talking about a shepherd, and there's 100 sheep. 99 of the 100 sheep are doing great. 99 are in church. 99 are going in the right direction. 99 are following the shepherd. But there's one that's not there that's supposed to be there. And it says, if one gets lost, the shepherd will leave the 99 and go find the one that's lost. Here's what that tells me. That tells me that we can come into church and shine our light, and it's really easy. It's really easy to shine your light in here. We celebrate everybody that's in this room, but our ministry, our ministry is to leave this place and go places where it's dark, and that is where your light really, really does its job. It's great we celebrate all you guys, but there's somebody out there, a prodigal, somebody in your life that's burned you, has done you wrong, somebody that's failed morally a thousand times, somebody that God has strategically planted in your life right now. And you know who it is. You got the relative, the friend, whatever. I'm not asking you to preach to them. I'm not asking you to tell them they're going to. I'm asking you to just turn on your light. That's it. I want you real quick as we close, I want you to pull out your cell phones for me. If I pull out your cell phones, put it on the flashlight. I want to just do a little, this is your sermon prop for today, okay? This is your sermon prop for today. Pull out your flashlights. Turn them all on. Let me see everybody's flashlights. Nice flashlights. Turn them all on. There you go. Don't check your text. There's eight minutes left of the service. Your family will be at KW waiting on you. Don't worry about it. Shine. Okay. See, we got our light on. It's interesting with our light on right now. 
it's not really doing that much in here. Is it? I mean, it's not really making it that much brighter. It doesn't really help anything, right? You know why? Because all these other lights are on. We're surrounded. We're in a place filled with light. It's easy. Okay, angel, turn the lights off. Now, look how much better the light works when it's in the... Man, if y'all could see what I'm seeing, y'all look awesome. I'm going to just do this so that you have to close your eyes for a second. That's really cool. Okay, lights back on. Here's what I want you to see. Don't be scared to go in dark places. Don't be scared to hang out with people that cuss, F-bombs, GDs. Don't be scared to hang out with people that don't dress right. Don't be scared to hang out with atheists, agnostics. Your ministry is to go to the dark places. The purpose of a light is to shine in the dark. In closing, I just want to tell you this. I want to encourage you that if, if you've got somebody in your life that's in the dark, um, they may not change overnight. Okay, Just keep shining your light. My friend Mark, I'll tell you in closing, um, six years, six to eight years, I text him. Love to see you in church. I'll be saving you a seat. Wait, six years. After four years, he called me. And I thought, this is it. All this work, all this prayer, all this shine in my light. Now he's going to come to church. He's calling me to ask me what time church starts. I was so excited. I saw his name come across the phone. I turned the music down in my car. I said, hey, Marcus, John Paul. He said, I know I called you. I said, what's up? He said, I'm sick and I need somebody to bring me some soup. Four years of texting him to come to church and he called me to ask for soup. So what do you think I did? I put rat poison in his soup. That's right. I, I'm just kidding. I took him some soup and I thought, well, surely when he gets better, now he's going to come to church, right? I shine my light. Two more years. Two more years. And not only did he come to church, but he's my best friend. He leads our worship for us. Listen. Don't stop shining your light. Don't stop shining it. It may, be your, it may be long after you even leave this earth. That child, that grandchild, that person. You, you just keep shining your light. That's your first ministry is to be a light. Amen.